What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could come from you, the listener, by heading over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. There, you can be a monthly supporter of the show and my writing that the brilliant Sam Harris describes as basically one less cup of coffee per month. If that's feasible, I'd love to have your continued support. But if not, that's totally fine too, as there are other ways of supporting the show. If you're an Apple Podcasts or iTunes listener, you can leave the show reading and a review that is very quick and very painless and something that I'd very much appreciate and will help other people find the show. I'd also like to quickly remind you that you can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, which is pretty cool, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Lastly, don't forget to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com where you can find quick, easy access to all of my previous episodes, all of my articles. I'm writing a lot there now, how to contact me, and much more. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. We're back on Chase Thomas Podcast, a dreary Thursday night edition of the podcast. Atlanta is really weird. The weather is about to drop 30 degrees from today to tomorrow, I think. But uh, my guest is in Arizona, where I believe it's 89 degrees every day of the year. Oh, it's so beautiful. (laughs) What is it right now? Right now, it's 65 degrees. I'm in some shorts and a a tank top. Uh, It's going to warm up a little bit tomorrow. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's definitely not. It's definitely not sub sub zero temperatures or uh a, a what what do they call it a a bomb bomb cyclone i have no idea oh god that's a scary not name. a meteorologist no that's like so that's like a I'm sharknado mm. how many of sharknado movies have you seen i've at l- i've at least seen four of them if not all of them right there's five how many are there, there are there already five i believe there's five yeah they're pretty terrible Ooh. We're getting old, man. We are. I remember when the first one came out, right. and that was just such a big deal. I remember being on Twitter at that time when I didn't actually hate Twitter, yeah. and just the reaction of everything going on. It was it was a big deal. It it kind of is no longer a big deal because it just exists. But I think mm-hmm. people still get excited for a new one because it's almost like a I don't know. It's like a weird like when you watch that movie, The Room. You're not watching that to see a good movie or even like a terrible movie. You're almost just watching it to laugh at the fact that someone made it. So two things. One, I thought you were talking about WrestleMania, not Sharknado with your first point. No, yeah. And then two, The Room is incredible. And I don't know if you've seen The Disaster Artist yet, but if you have not, you need to go see that because I was... I was dying. Tommy the majority of that movie. Tommy Wiseau is a genius. That's what I've come to terms with. This was all an elaborate plan. How is the room more popular now than any other film that was made in 2004? 
It's a good question. I have no Wasn't idea. Wasn't Anchorman 2004? Yeah, but I would still say The Room is more popular right now in this moment in pop culture because of disaster. I don't know artists. if The Room is... I, do you know a lot of people that actually watch yes. it? Or... Yes, because okay. of disaster artists. Because of they want to know that this movie was a real thing, so they're watching it. Mm. I've had a lot of people talk to me about it. I mean, I watched it in passing a long time ago, and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it would turn into this no. cult classic, no. and it's just, it's amazing. Have you, have, you, have you seen the watchings of it, what people do, where they bring like, Mm-mm. they bring like footballs to throw around in the theater, and it's like so Rocky great. Horror Picture Show type, you know, mm-hmm. they respond mm-hmm. to the screen and everything. It's It looks like a good time. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. My <laughs> and actually, the more underrated one is when he said when he talks to the little pug that's saying, "Oh hi, doggy." T- <laughs> did you know he thought that was a fake dog? No, he didn't did know. He know didn't that. know that was a real dog. He thought it was like some sort of prop dog. That's yeah, that's fantastic. That's everything you need to know about Tommy, right there, summed up. I don't know. I feel like everything uh, the perfect Tommy thing will always be him not being able to understand human emotion where they keep redoing that story. Yes. That, that uh, shot where it's a sad story and he's like, I, ha ha ha. Funny story, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I love that. So I did not say that. If you have not watched the room and or the disaster artist, you need to see that because they're both delightful in their own way but oh and, and if you're stellar and if you can go on to youtube and check out the fact that they songified the room and they turned it into one of the catchiest damn songs you'll ever hear and the music video features uh austin uh, uh why why am i having it uh, excuse me excuse me xavier woods i was calling mm. i was calling him by his real name there xavier woods is in that music video as well so check that out that's a fun one and that song it's will get stuck i'm away trolling jinder mahal to do this yes video, yeah like. Just to just to be in the video going cheap 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 cheap. It's pretty great. Xavier Woods is awesome. He really is. He's one of those guys like CM Punk that I have confidence in. That no matter what he does outside of wrestling, I think he's going to continue to have success. Like I feel like wrestling is going to just be one of the things he does in his time as a performer in some way. Hmm. You know, I could see him expanding his role and just. At some point, if he th- feels like he has hit his ceiling with what WWE is going to give him, because I think at this point, I don't think he would jump to like Ring of Honor or Impact or anything like that. I think it would look weird. He's one of the guys where it wouldn't make sense. Like the Zigglers, of course, make a lot of sense and New Japan and stuff like that. I don't know if Xavier Woods at this point makes sense, but I could see him, you know, at replacing Daniel Bryan as SmackDown GM if he leaves at the end of the year. And stuff like that. I I could see him transitioning yeah. away from the ring if he wanted to, and he could still jump in the ring when he wants to. It's not like he's wrestling all the time. Now he is in the the U.S. title tournament, so that is something. So maybe there is going to be a Xavier Woods push, but well, we'll see. I love what he did with that tournament. Speaking of which, because I don't think he's going to win it. I don't think he's even going to be in the finals, and I haven't thought that since the beginning. But he has been so adamant about wanting to be us champion that it honestly has made me second guess like everything. Like he's, he's done so much on social media to put it out there that he wants to be the one to win this tournament that he he fully has me believing that he, he could do it. I don't know why, but he does. It's that's, that's that simple. It's effort, right? You put in that extra effort. People believe a little bit more. It makes the product a little bit more fun. Yeah, 
You know, if, I, if, uh, if I can believe that he's going to possibly win, then it makes it just a little bit more fun than, than just knowing what the outcome is going to be and then having it be that. I really don't know where they're going to go with the tournament. And I don't know where they're going to go with the Ziggler stuff. And I think that's good because SmackDown has not been great lately. But I think that's one of the things they are doing well is adding all of this confusion and uncertainty in that division. Yes. And I... I commend them for that. So that's that's one of the positives, but we'll get there. So one of the things I wanted to touch on first, and I think this is just one of the more fascinating signings of the year. I think it, Meltzer basically said it was a done deal on Twitter that Ricochet and War Machine are both on their way to WWE. First, who are you more excited about seeing? I know the, the easy answer is Ricochet, I guess, but I've loved what war machine has done the last couple of years i think they are going to be awesome i think they fit check all the boxes that dota is looking for in their current tag team division like if you look up and down the tag team roster right now in the day there's a lot of guys that kind of are like war machine they have heavy machinery they have authors of pain they have sanity they have just the bar and the ascension and it's a lot of just big tag teams and i wonder if that's a good thing for war machine coming in or are they going to blend in too much and i mean obviously the bludgeon brothers too i i was gonna say if you're not going to mention the bludgeon brothers i'm going to be furious here but yes (laughs) no i mean i don't know um to answer your first question obviously i'm more excited for ricochet i think ricochet is he wants this I've I've spoken to him about this. I've seen the maturation. I've seen the learning of him. Um, one of my friends from Reseda posted a really good thing about, you know, just seeing him over the last eight years develop in, in you know, Reseda and all the things that he has, has done in his career. But mostly I feel like he has, you know, he's he's worked on bulking himself up. He's worked yep. on things that he's not strong on. I mean, I've really seen him develop and not just in like small indie ways like, uh, you know, Biff Busick is a perfect example of somebody that I saw literally take over the indies, but get completely lost in the shuffle on NXT. And the reason why is because the excitement that he generates at an indie show is completely lost on a WWE crowd. And I don't know if it'll ever be the same there that it is when you see him in a small venue. Some guys I feel like are just better equipped to be an indie wrestler. And it's not to say that WWE still isn't a better life. I, I would I would I would much rather be a WWE wrestler that was a nobody than, you know, the biggest indie wrestler. And I'm sure a lot of guys feel that same way. It sucks, but it's just the way it is. And interesting. If, 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 I might disagree. You but how many guys Do you think Cody is feeling that way? I think Cody might be the best example. But you're you're talking that's not true anymore. Yeah, but you're talking about somebody that's different. See, I can't equate somebody that wrestles in Ring of Honor and New Japan as an indie wrestler. I'm not talking okay. about somebody like that. I'm talking about somebody. So you're talking about another level down. I'm talking about another. And we're level not down. trying to be disparaging, right? But because just... I put I put PWG at that other level down. I'm talking about like small indies. Okay. You know, PWG is an amazing an pro am- wrestling circuit. Yeah, pro. Yeah, exactly that kind of stuff. 
you know, it's, it's just one of those kind of things. Um, a lot of the stuff in Chicago, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the Northeast and stuff, freelance, limitless, all of that, those kind of stuff, right? Those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that I think some of these guys can just continue to dominate. But if you go into WWE, you're really just going to be another guy. You know, you're just going to be, uh, you, you might find your way. And that's the thing that I love about a lot of these guys that I am big fans of on a personal level, like Biff, like Ricochet. I want to see them succeed. So when I see them do things like get into a tag team or whatever, just trying to make it work, I love that. You know, I love to see someone like Rick Swan when he was lighting up the 205 Live division. But then, you know, he gets into some personal troubles. And I know that him and his wife are completely fine now and everything kind of worked out, but it was an ugly incident. It looked, it, it reflects badly on him. And I'm worried about his future with WWE. I was really looking forward to seeing Ricochet and Rich Swan together, you know, in, in WWE do, do some things. I thought that would be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing Ricochet with Apollo Cruz. I think Ricochet could be part of Titus worldwide and it would be a lot oh, of no. fun. No, 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 well, no, no, his guys no. are there. His guys are there. His Akira. Titus is so I don't want anyone near Titus. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm down with Titus, but I, I was, are you, I'm down. What with is Titus, Titus O'Neil good at? Uh, being a manager. No. Yeah. He's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But a heel He's manager. Like, the problem is, is that people started enjoying the shtick that he was doing that was be, trying to be annoying on purpose. And then they turned him basically into, you know, a, a face, you know. I, I don't I don't like that. he's trying to be like Abraham Washington from like five years ago. That was a and Abraham Washington. Was Abraham really Washington was a, an amalgamation of a bunch of different managers. So but he was awesome. Yeah, no. And I just don't think Titus O'Neil's a natural. I don't think he's good at anything. I, and I'm sorry because he seems like a really great guy, but I would have released Titus O'Neil a long time. ago. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you in that. I think that's where WWE is heading with all of this signing. Because I think they need to release more. Well, it's going to happen. Sad, but I would move on from a lot more guys. But you can't. And when is can't. Big Show going to be the SmackDown Live uh, color commentator? It, I, I we know it's happening this year. I know it's happening. He's good, and I think he's going to be really good at it. But I, I, I want us to get to that point. When is he going to get on there? Because I don't like Corey Graves being on every show. Because I like Corey Graves, but I don't like him blending on both shows that's a side tangent but that just the titus o'neill stuff just got me thinking about that but anyway continue no i was just gonna say overall i think that the talent influx is going to cause them to have to sift a lot of these guys out but it doesn't happen that quickly you know you have to make sure that these guys you're bringing in are going to be what you thought they were going to be you know you it's not it's not a guarantee that some of these guys are going to come over and have success in the wwe it's not it's not guaranteed that they're going to come over and learn the wwe way i think that's the biggest problem with bringing in guys that are stars is it's harder to break, you know, the bad habits that at least that's how they see them. You know, the bad habits out of them. WWE doesn't like their guys to be as reckless as I think Ricochet is. And Ricochet is one of the best goddamn flyers I've ever seen in my life. But I just mean reckless in the fact that he's willing to do anything with his body. And sometimes he just goes too far and WWE likes to protect their investments. That's why everybody in WWE goes slower. That's why their spots, even when they're big, are still more calculated and safer than they are in New Japan or anywhere else. And well, what's interesting, and I well, I, I guess maybe like what gives me hope about Ricochet and his moveset and how much I'll have to adjust to WWE is if you see Cedric Alexander's stuff, they still allow him to do yes. a lot of fun movements. And I'm not saying he and Ricochet are exactly like, but I think there are some similarities too the way they work and then you know i think he leo rush if you watched him at all in nxt he is still moving around and it looks like he's somewhat out of the doghouse even though i i would 
he got kind of fed to Lars Sullivan on. Uh, it's uh, if you're involved in the storyline, you're not in the doghouse. If they're interviewing you for WWE.com yeah. stuff, you're not in the doghouse. I think they're making him an underdog type character, but I don't. Can I go ahead and not to. I don't want to be angry wrestling fan, but can Look, how much longer do we have to pretend that Lars Sullivan is actually? Oh, I will fight you right here and he right is now. Atrocious. That guy is going. I've never been more convinced of the next like snitsky level comedy character within like three years in the main roster uh, than Lars sullivan yeah. there's a zero percent chance that works out that, I, that, I don't know man i don't know i think that the one thing about it is that it's it's unique compared to like what a lot of the stuff you're seeing even when it comes to monster characters and I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes they get very well, we have a lot of good ones now. No, no, we, we do a lot of good. I'm not ones. saying Braun's incredible. He's but, like coming around. Lars is coming around at the wrong time because Killian Dane is an incredible monster character. And I just, I guess there's just so many better versions of Lars Sullivan where I just think he's going to be a comedy job around the main roster within like three years. See, you never know though. And that's the beautiful thing about watching this whole process, okay. especially seeing that's it fair. from the NXT process, like especially guys like Lars that you've never seen before, because you have certain expectation when guys come in from outside of WWE and you already know what they are. But Lars, you've only had a chance to see develop in NXT. And I'm not comparing him to Elias, but like Elias is one of those guys that I felt the same way you're describing Lars as Elias. I didn't think Elias was going to be any good. And I was, I thought it was dumb. And there was never a part of me that hated him in a positive way. The way like I quote unquote, hate him now as a heel on the main roster. I love what he does. And I think that, you know, sometimes the, the gimmick is, is better for certain shows, you know, or certain environments. And in this case, his shtick and the way that he does, you know, the, the solo spotlight and the guitar playing in the middle of the ring is like, he, a perfect heel thing for a large arena like that, especially arenas, you know, where the majority of the fans are just going to be annoyed by that. Like not the smart cities like Chicago or some of the other ones where you're going to get the majority of the fans cheering for Elias now, but just in general, like his, his heel shtick has worked exceptionally well on the main roster and he's been given opportunities way faster than he was going to get his, his wrestling is still atrocious. But he has been given opportunities based on the fact that everything he's doing as an entertainer works better on the main roster than it even did in NXT. Uh, I just think that it's it's fun to see which guys succeed, which guys fall on their face. It's fun to see what they're going to actually do with them. You know, Lars could be somebody's bodyguard. And the next thing you know, you're not even thinking about all the stuff that you're saying. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Um, I, I think that it's it's kind of like what you're saying with War Machine. There, there is a lot of guys like War Machine. So that's what I think when you bring up the War Machine Ricochet thing is I, I just think of War Machine as being like, yeah, a better tag team than a lot of those same guys. But who knows how good of a career the Ascension could have had on their own out at Ring of Honor or being built up correctly without being put in this weird, you know, WWE system like they were beloved in NXT. They were one of the most cheered tag teams I ever saw in NXT, the Ascension. But, you know, when you brought them up to the main roster, it was it just completely lost everything, you know. So I, I don't know. It's easy to say there's a lot of this guy or a lot of that guy. But until they're like all up on the main roster together, you you have no real way to know if it's going to take hold or not. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons to like when Ryback was heel, 
you know, with, with him. There's a lot of comparisons you could make. I just think that overall, I find him to be intriguing. You know, there's something about him that, you know, I, I have to paint. I have to paint a picture of him. Uh, and I need him in my life. So I don't know how it's going to go for his career, but I, I think he's kind of got a lot of the things that you need down that a lot of the wrestlers don't, you can be as, as good in the ring as you want to be and as athletic as possible. But if you're not a character, if you don't get what the, the, you know, facial expressions and things like that, that you have to do, uh, you know, and, and, and be somebody that's interesting, then you're not going to be a success no matter how many flips you can do. Well, that doesn't bode well for Ricochet then. And I will say Ricochet's developed a character though. I mean, especially his heel persona in PWG. Oh man, it's so hateable, you know? And I think he's, he's gotten better at that. He's that. And that's what I mean. Like the, some of the things that he's working with, like in, in new Japan right now, he should be, you know, vying for the super junior title or something like that. But instead, you know, he's, he's kind of working a, you know, a, a comedic bit himself. And I think that that's very purposeful. I think that, uh, you know, the stuff that he's doing, he's trying to work on his weaknesses, not on the stuff that he has, you know, that, he, that he's good at, you know, being in Taguchi-san and, 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 you know, doing the stuff that he's doing. That's just kind of funny uh, is, I don't know. It's, it's helping him develop that character and be better. And I, I don't even know if he's still that he, I think he's out of it. He used to be into Gucci son, but you know, it's it, like, I, I, I remember at times looking at the stuff he was doing and just scratching my head thinking like, you're so much better than this. Why are you doing this stuff? I think it's because he was working on developing different aspects of his personality and his character. He's got the flipping stuff down. He can do the six star matches. That's no problem. But if you're going to be in WWE, you have to have the look, you have to be built a certain size. And he definitely bulked up muscular wise and he's worked on, you know, his ability to talk on the mic and be a heel and be a face and be funny and be entertaining. And I think he's going to be a big success. He's still five ten, which I don't like. And I'm just, I'm not certain how Vince is going to view him. He's going to be a very interesting test case because he is someone, like you said, has really come a long way in the last five to eight years. And I think there's going to be a lot of fanfare. And I think there's a lot of different ways they can go with Ricochet. And hey, I think hey. you know how tall AJ Styles is. How tall is AJ Styles? Probably what? 5'11"? 5'11". Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I knew that. Okay. Yeah. And I mean... I. I think AJ Styles, if he'd come in at 28 in WWE, I do not think he would have sent a world title, maybe ever. And a lot of his world title run has to do with just him dominating the way he did in the Indies. I, I, I'm not certain that Vince would have ever put the title on him unless AJ Styles did not have the two-year run that he had. And he just kind of became too big where it just felt right and the crowd just loved him so much. It's the Daniel Bryan thing where it's like, if you are over enough, Vince can look past certain things like that. And if you're a good enough wrestler, if you have other intangibles and other valuable traits that will get uh, Vince and or Triple H on your side, then it can happen. But 
I think it's just a general rule of thumb is to always be a little wary of that. Look at Austin Aries. Like he, I love that he immediately leaves WWE and then his first Impact Wrestling taping. Spoilers. I, I know a lot of our listeners are worried about what's going to happen on Impact in their next taping schedule, but he won the world title from Eli Drake. And it's, I, it just can't be a coincidence that he immediately goes to the company that where he had a lot more success and was seen as a main eventer. And that company just doesn't really look at talent, main event talent the same way where it's like, you can go from Eli Drake to Austin Aries, Eddie Edwards. And it just doesn't look weird having the title on different uh, kinds of wrestlers. But in the WWE, it's <laughs> who is Raw's universal title scene built around Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, and obviously Brock Lesnar. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think that's still just something that Vince McMahon cares about. And that's probably why AJ Styles is the champion on SmackDown and not on the main show, because I don't think there is a possibility that AJ Styles is ever the main guy on Monday Night Raw. As much as I love AJ Styles, I don't think that's going to happen. And I think that's kind of why I'm really hoping Finn Balor, who right now, if I had to guess who's winning the Rumble, be Balor. I, I hope their plan is to move the Balor Club to SmackDown and let him run that and go through with a Balor Club versus AJ Styles feud, which is just, it, it writes itself. It's perfect. The fans would love it. And SmackDown desperately needs something like that. And I just, I think Ricochet is going to be interesting because you could, I mean, I don't know where you stand on this, but couldn't you see them very easily just putting him on 205 Live? And I just don't want that to happen yeah, at all. That's totally what I see. But I happening. could also see them building NXT around him for the next year and a half. Right. And that's the one thing that's wonderful about NXT is I, I don't feel like NXT is developmental any longer. I think some people develop there, but I don't think it's developmental. Well, I feel the guys, they are old. And Ricochet is finally a young guy. It's, it's been a misnomer that they call it NXT when all their champions are coming in at 40. Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe. This is not next. These are not guys that you would say are next in line to carry the company for the next 10 years. Well, they're old names. Here's the thing about wrestling fans. Uh, they don't care about <laughs> what people have done outside of this WWE fans. I should say there's a lot of WWE fans. I was one of them. I was one of them. I mean, I know how it feels and a lot of people don't know. I've been on both sides of the coin. I, I see the appeal to the indies. Now it took me having friends that wanted to go. Like I had friends that wanted to go to indie shows, but they wanted to go there to like mock former WWE guys and just be dicks and be bad mm -hmm. fans, you know, and not really be uh, there to, to enjoy it. So then when it came to going with guys that really enjoyed it, yeah, they were jerks to the wrestlers too, but they were jerks to the heels. And like one of the first times we saw Ricochet, interestingly enough, was against Austin Aries at an indie show here in Phoenix. It was one of the best indie shows I've ever seen. And it was, it had probably like, like 200 people at it because it was so poorly promoted, but it had the young bucks. It had Ricochet versus uh, Austin Aries as the main event. There was some crazy stuff that went on. In this That's show. all I need. Right. You, you've sold me at that point. Oh yeah. The young bucks. And oh, I love I mean, everybody you just named everybody. I mean, there Matt Hardy was at this show. Ricochet. Was okay. At well now show. you're losing me. No, I, I, I'm just, <laughs> it was, it was a diverse show, you know? Uh, but mm -hmm. I mean, in general, I think that what WWE is trying to recreate is the entire wrestling system, the ecosystem within WWE. So they want NXT not to be next, but they want it to be the indies, the WWE's version of the indies. They want mm -hmm. their own version of progress in the UK. They want 
than their own version of PWG that they think 205 Live will be. You know what I mean? Like they want their own like ecosystem that they can kind of feed guys through and have them go to their own place until they need that or something yeah. for them to do until they develop into the person that they want them to be. Or if they don't ever develop into that person, then they can eventually just get rid of them. But for the most part, they can like them- the Sammy Callahan Cassius own exactly it's where if there's nothing for them after a certain amount of time they can leave and but they can always come back right i mean drew mcintyre is a great example of this too where he just reinvented himself and that injury just sucked he's a really divisive figure man like i know we both love drew but a lot of people are still not very high on him and i just i'm always blown away about what he's able to do for his size yes i think he just does not get enough credit for being just i think he he might be the most athletic wrestler for his size i in I think what we saw out of him in impact wrestling really showed me how diverse he was as a person in his move set, the stuff that he did, he developed, you know, a, a running finisher, a submission finisher and his standard, you know, uh, one that he used to do in WWE. Uh, he just became the future shock. The future shock. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Future shock DDT. Um, mm-hmm. he just became a complete person. But more than yeah. anything, you know, there was a brief time where he was an, a heel in Impact, and I felt like he showed more character in that than I've ever seen. I think Drew is a much, much better heel. And so the problem is, is that right now they have him in a babyface role, and his babyface role is kind of generic. I'd say it's, it's like Bobby Roode, where Bobby Roode just can't, Bobby, for whatever reason, Roode, he can't be compelling as a babyface. Well, he's kind of generic, too, as a heel, yeah. too, whereas Drew has, like, passion about being a heel. So when he turns it on and he starts talking about, you know, people turning their back on him or whatever, like he was drawing from someplace that I didn't even know where he could come from because the guy's so damn nice in real life that I can't imagine him having anything that painful or angering to draw from, you know, but he was so good at that in, in impact. And I've just been, been impressed with him in general. He, he figured out how to be the guy for a lot of companies while he was working the and I think he'll have a very valuable place within the company, but I could also see, you know, kind of like Cody where he got, you know, gets lost in the shuffle it, and it can happen to anybody in WWE. The problem is, is because you become a certain level of complacent because you're working for the company you've always wanted to work for and you're making the good money. And realistically, it's the guys like CM Punk that were always like annoying because they always stayed hungry about what their character was doing creatively and what the direction was that he was going. Those are the guys I think that always keep an ear of the writers and they always, you know, they always keep their attention, but I think it's easy for a lot of guys just to come in and be like, all right, what did you write for me today? Okay. This thing. Cool. Got it. I'll do that. I'll go talk to my, you know, uh, match, you know, a booking agent to go find out what we're going to do for the match. But it's not, you know, it's not this creative input that some people have that keep everything fresh for them within WWE. I think it's as much on the wrestlers themselves to have ideas and to be putting stuff out there. Uh, I'm sure Matt Hardy was probably just constantly talking about letting them do the broken heart Matt stuff ever since he came in, you know, and I, I, I've already grown kind of tired of it because it's not really what was appealing about that character when it was in impact. But again, it's what WWE does with all of this. WWE sees guys having a six-star match. They want those guys in WWE. They see the Bullet Club having success and selling a bunch of merch. They want the Bullet Club in WWE. They see Broken Matt getting the attention and doing fun YouTube videos and getting a lot of attention from pop culture and 
and general media, not just wrestling media. They, they bought broken Matt back, you know, WWE is just a spoiled kid that gets every toy that they want. Now that's where they're at. And the problem is, is just like a spoiled kid. They play with it for a little while, then they put it back in their box and then they forget about it. And some things that stick out a little bit more, get more attention or get played with more or get to, you know, be on the main roster the whole time. And other guys just get forgotten about. That's my concern with this giant, you know, grabbing of, of every indie star and wrestler that they can. It concerns me, you know, that's why I'm glad that Kenny Omega has reportedly resigned. He just, there's nowhere for him to go right now. He, he needs to stay. And Okada, I mean, he's still very young. I think is he even 30. I think he's 29. (sighs) And he's still got several more years of just quality wrestling ahead of him. So I I don't think he needs to jump. There's, and look what those guys, guys, look what the guys that have jumped have done. Very little. I mean, I'm sorry. AJ did great, but I mean, AJ's AJ should have been in WWE years ago. I don't know. I just, I think the AJ stuff has just been perfect. I really don't yeah. have much to complain about. I oh, think I, I agree with him coming in now is legend. It, it's like the reverse, or I guess maybe the bizarro world of stings arrival where sting came in a couple years too late. And it was a gigantic bust and he messed up and he messed up and it was just a huge missed opportunity. A couple of years too late. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think if he come in at what, I mean, we'll get to this in a second. Undertaker still wrestling, but I think Undertaker was still having good matches five years ago. So I'm saying I I, I think if he had come, if Sting had come in a couple years prior, I think they still could have had a good WrestleMania moment. He could have had a good two year run, but yeah, it just didn't work. But the timing, I think, was perfect for AJ because he was never going to be as big as he was prior to coming in to the day. And hit that pop he got at the Royal Rumble was unforgettable. Yeah, it really and was. And honestly... I, that's why I'm kind of glad that he didn't come in at 32 and coming off like an X Division run and impact. It just... His, I'm glad that he came in because he immediately was treated as a big deal. Top guy, skipped NXT, and... I think it all worked out for him. He got the big payday and he had, he's had an incredible career. So I think he's one of the ones where I actually wouldn't look at it as a negative. He didn't come in early. Yeah. New Japan. Adam Cole is the exact opposite where I'm glad Adam Cole is there now because him getting to work with Shawn Michaels and guys like that in NXT and he's just doing great stuff these last couple of weeks. And I think he is just going to be a gigantic star. And I think he's one of the ones that it's actually going to benefit to get in young. Yeah. Yeah. I can't disagree with any of that. Ricochet though, it's it's gonna be interesting. War Machine, would you put him in NXT? Because I think NXT has too many tag teams right now. They can't even fit a lot of like you have the Street Profits, you have Tino Sabatelli, and what is the other one? Not Rod, Riddick Moss, I think is his name. Yes. And then you have uh, Heavy. Did you already say Heavy Machinery? No, Heavy Machinery. Then you have TM61, who's coming back, or are they already back? Did I miss that? Yeah, they we were, we. Were it's crazy that NXT has more tag teams than SmackDown and Raw has. Raw has like two. Yeah. <laughs> Raw is in serious. I, I would honestly, I, I'd probably debut them immediately on Raw. Yeah. I'd keep them Ricochet, as far, I'd keep them as far from, away from NXT. I'd keep them as far away from Ascension and the Bludgeon Brothers as possible. I mean, you could sell me on them uh, after the Bludgeon Brothers when the titles, uh, War Machine's music hits and they are their first challenger. You could sell me on that. Oh, yeah, I like that. And you know they would have a great summer of matches, and like I, the gimmick is silly, 
and the rubber hammers are terrible, but Luke Harper is an incredible worker and Rowan's fine. So if you give me War Machine and Harper for a summer over the tag team titles on SmackDown, I'm I'm here for that. So that'd be fine too. Ricochet, I think NXT is the right answer. But then again, I think NXT has to do some more call-ups. I don't think Drew can come back to NXT. I think he needs to debut on the main roster when he's healed. I agree with that. We've got Donovan Dijak waiting in the wings. Yeah. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. I do like what they've done with Aleister Black and the fact that he hasn't really needed, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of those guys, especially coming in, need an NXT title run. But I'm feeling more and more comfortable with these guys not getting it. Like, Aleister Black is already in, like, draw mode right where he's a draw without being a title match in a title match people want to see him kick people in the head they want to see his entrance they want to see him sit cross-legged in the middle of the ring like there's a lot about that guy that's just uh, already a fan draw so you don't even really need to have him be a champion in order for him to be a he success right didn't he eat a pin from cole already i feel i feel like yes. cole has beaten him yeah yeah okay yeah, he's. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to get the uh, NXT title. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm interested to see if they ever put it on Gargano because I don't know where they're going with that story and if they're actually going to lead up to him having the belt for a little while before Ciampa comes back and then feud over the title. I, I'm not certain that that's where they're going, but Andrade Cien Almas, still not really here for it. I think his getting uh, Thea Trinidad as his manager has been a huge help, and he's a much better heel, but... He's a great worker. There's just something still very mid-card about him, and I just can't shake it. I don't know what it is, but he just feels like a mid-card lifer to me. He feels kind of like Carlito, where it's just like I'll never see him as a top guy. It just feels out of place to me, especially with the how loaded NXT's roster is right now. It just doesn't look right. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing, but I think a lot of guys don't need the help. I think a lot of guys could start bypassing NXT quickly. Or he's like the opposite of that, right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you agree? He, well, he does need the help. Well, and I think here's the thing: is though, is I think that not everybody needs to move up from NXT. I, okay. I I wouldn't be mad to see some guys stay in NXT. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't feel like that's a. I don't feel like that's like a dishonor anymore. I don't think that's like getting left behind in school when everybody graduated. Don't you get a lot I'm sure. of uh, like some sort of bonus? I'm sure that money is very different. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But money's different if you're a man or a woman in WWE. So that's no matter how much yeah. you earn, you know. And if your name is Brock Lesnar, you get to show up five times a year and make twelve million dollars. <laughs> you know. So I mean, I don't. Uh, money, money is. I'm sure a big part of it, and I'm sure that's the the concern. But if if money wasn't a concern for some of these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't be mad about staying in NXT at all. You know, because NXT does have a much cooler vibe to it and they do more exciting things on NXT. If the WWE was smart, they would start debuting these guys on Raw and SmackDown without ever stopping by NXT because NXT right now gets the benefit of having every new person stop in there. So that's the thing is NXT always feels cool and new and young and hip and everything because it is because everybody that's new goes there first. So there's not a chance to really have that new fresh impact when someone comes up to the main roster, when you've already seen them in NXT, because it feels like they just switch shows. It doesn't feel like, Oh my God, AJ Styles just showed up in the Royal rumble. Like that's the only opportunity we've had to have that feeling. And maybe because it's so few and far between, that's what makes it feel so special. But I could easily see a lot of 
guys bypassing that whole thing and coming straight to the main roster. I will say to that point that you do run the risk of the Mike Canella situation. So there are the sure things like the AJ Styles who you just know when they bypass the main, the NXT group that they're going to be okay no matter what. But then I think there are the huge risks like Canellis. And some of it obviously was not his fault or Maria's fault. I was going to say, I don't even understand what happened with that. I really don't. Like I, well, I get that Maria got pregnant, so they had to kind of. But that was, I think it was a couple months later, right? Yeah. Like it seemed like they already had fizzled out. They had been pulled and fizzled very quickly. And that was just, it, it was strange and they were just gone. Like they debuted on that pay-per-view and they were on like one SmackDown, maybe two. And then it was just, it was over. People, so, people were still talking about how much they loved their song and they were, weren't around anymore. And you know, that song is like built for NXT, by the way. Yeah. And that was the weird thing about it is that whole character was built for the NXT crowd, not the main right. roster. But the crowd. problem is it's, it's like the Maria. Adam Rose problem. It's Maria, right? So they yeah. knew that Maria was somebody that the WWE audience already knew. And they were True. basing that whole gimmick around her. Like Mike's mm-hmm. whole gimmick was that he's Maria's husband. He even took Which her last I name. Liked. I love that. Yeah. But they didn't have a clear idea in mind. And that's why NXT is valuable because it allows you to kind of chip away at that giant, you know, rock and, and form something beautiful, but you don't really know what it is at first. So you kind of got to play around with it and see where things go, see what pieces chip off, you know, with that, that should have been it. The entire thing should have been him being just like a bitch boy behind his wife and having his wife just be in charge of the whole thing. But they didn't even commit to that because they had this weird uh, half public or like half a uh, motivational speaker gimmick, half weird the world's perfect couple gimmick thing going on. And it just didn't work out because it never felt like they even never felt like they got the chance to even do that gimmick. It felt like it was a, a combination of two gimmicks. And neither one of them was was fleshed out or fully formed. Yeah. You know? But yeah, you're right. Because that was one of those things that it was a big surprise when they were there. They were big stars outside of, you know, uh, uh, WWE. They they had a lot of success in Ring of Honor and in uh, New Japan and in Impact. But just the WWE thing didn't seem to work out. Because not a lot, not enough people knew who Mike Bennett was to make that impression. You know? That's why the Mike Canella stuff worked and why the whole Maria's making Maria the star of the duo made sense, especially on WWE television. Yeah. Cause it's, it's exactly like what's going on with, uh, who is it? Paris Hilton, right? She's engaged and nobody knows the dude's I name. I have no idea. Yeah. Like it's fun. I just saw something where he got left at the airport. Derek, we're going to have a conversation about this uh, in your Paris Hilton. I'm just, uh, facts I'm, just after uh, I'm just using it as a comparison, but I think it's a solid comparison and the metaphor is there. Sure. Yeah. She's Paris Hilton. <laughs> He's the loser that you don't know his name. It works. I feel like that's a little mean, but I think you just compared Maria to Paris Hilton. Maria seems delightful. Oh, she is delightful. She was so nice to my daughter. Yeah. We didn't even stop and ask her for a picture, and she asked us if we wanted a picture. See? Yeah. And you just compared her to Paris Hilton. Yeah, you know, you're right. That was a bad comparison. <laughs> In character, not in Maria, if form. you're listening, I, I was not a part of this. There is zero chance she's listening to this podcast. Okay. Well, you don't know that. Yeah, I know. I'm just and, speaking now. Uh, so we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but so Undertaker, it seems at on Raw 25, which what a group, what a lineup they put together. You could tell they had been prudent about filling out this guest book for the last couple of years. Jerry Lawler 
is going to be there. Shawn Michaels is going to be there. I think Edge. It. Uh, what a group. Stone Cold. I, I don't understand how like the road like Road Dog like half of these people are still employed by the WWE. So great. Sure. But I, I didn't really understand why they kind of because twenty five is a big one. I, I don't know why they didn't go all out getting bigger names and more surprising names from the past. But maybe there'll be some surprises. What are you talking but, about? What are you talking about? Stone Cold. Do you disagree with me on this? I disagree with you a lot. Okay, go ahead. Do you need I'm the ready. Do you need the Rock there? Is yes. that what you want? Is that why you're mad? Because The Rock. No, I think it's not even just The Rock. You need more just people that we haven't seen in a long time or other. You're getting Bruce Pritchard for Christ's sake. I mean, fine. He was just on Impact like a week ago, I think. I don't know. I don't watch that program anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't either, but Austin Aries is the champion, so I might <laughs> actually tune in for his time. Yeah, but... If you haven't noticed, I'm like. Austin Aries is probably one of my top five all time. Yeah, no, I'm so I, I'm always here. For and him. especially that was formed when he was in in Impact. The the option C yeah. stuff he did and everything that I he watched did. every week. Yeah, me greatest too. man who ever lived. Yep. I the cape, everything. I mean, I was watching him at Ring of Honor before that. I don't know. I just maybe it, Jericho not being there is kind of a bummer, but that's obvious. Uh, Mick Foley is he even advertised? Is Mankind going to show up randomly? Are we going to get Rikishi? Are we going to get? I mean, because Kurt Angle's been there, so he's not going. Is Jeff Hardy going to return? But we've seen Jeff Hardy recently. Look, the Dudley Boys, great. I mean, Kevin Nash, sure. I don't know, man. Look, it's just. Chase. It just seems like a chase. I don't know. What? Is, it, is this the cynical Thomas podcast or is this the Chase Thomas podcast? What's happened to you? These are all the stars. What more did you want? What more did you want? You're getting Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. Did you yeah. did you expect more than that? Yes. Oh, man. Do you know it's going to be five hours long, right? <laughs> if you keep this attitude up, it's going to be six. <laughs> Maybe it all comes down to The Rock not being there. It really does. It really does. He has better things to do. He does. I mean, I'm not disagreeing, but he doesn't have a movie to promote. Maybe he'll show up. That's the kind Barrett? of see, you're, you're complaining Barrett? about secrets, and we don't even know if the secrets have happened yet. Maybe he shows up. Yeah, Wade Barrett can come. He has to bring the gavel, and he has to bring the one the thing that lifts up. I want. I think part of it too is like, it kind of bums me out that so many of these cast of characters are still just on WWE television every week. Yeah. That might be part of it too. Go to a where... com- go to a wrestling convention sometimes if you want to talk about the sadness of life. Go to WrestleCon <laughs> at WrestleMania. See how many guys that you watched on TV for like 3 weeks are still at a wrestling convention with a picture of themselves in front of them and markers and trying to charge Lee Virgil alone. $15 an autograph or $20 an autograph and they have zero line and like I, my favorite story about drew was when drew came to sign at our table and he asked me how much people were charging and i told him and he looked at me and i'm sure i've even told this on this podcast before but he looked at me and just said that seems excessive yeah. i said well what do you want me to do about it and he said find the lowest price and undercut them by 15 dollars or five dollars so it was 15 bucks and that's what he charged and he made money hand over fist because everybody was walking around with like a $20 bill in their hand. Why go to like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> any one of these forgotten wrestlers when you had Drew standing there with the Impact Championship 
uh, signing for the cheapest of anybody in the place. You know, like it was just so weird to see so many of those people still hung up on it. Like I get like the Hardys were at this particular wrestling convention with a huge line. Uh, Pentagon had an enormous line, like all the wrestlers that were today's stars that people were excited about. You, you couldn't, you know, line line went Disneyland style and a zigzag and whatnot, you know, but then you have, you know, honky tonk man thinking that he can literally charge $35 for an autograph or $40 for an autograph. And like in his mind, I think even he thinks I'm going to die soon. So people will see the value in that and I can charge more, but we don't care anymore. Like that's the way wrestling is. It's just one of those things that. I, I refuse to buy like old wrestlers autographs and things like that. I don't, you know, like that's not what I don't understand autographs. I don't as an adult. <sighs> I understand getting autographs from a person when you're the one that got it, but I don't understand paying $25 for an autograph and another 25 for a picture with some dude at a, at a wrestling convention. Like I will say, I took a picture with Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. What was the one in Atlanta with the Miz? What would that have been? Where he retained over The Rock. I mean, over Cena with help of The Rock. Was that 20, was that 27? No. 25? Has it been nine years? No way has it been nine years. I don't remember. I know this. Yeah. But anyway, it was the one in Atlanta. And I remember he just like voluntarily gave me an autograph. And I didn't ask for one. I was like, all right, it's fine. <laughs> and I, the saddest one ever, though, is when I met Bobby Roode. I had a random, um, I think it was impacted this like auto zone, like photo shoot day thing, meet and greet. But it was at literally like a, I can't remember exactly what store it was, but it was at this random, just convenience store like that. And he's just hanging out and very nice guy. But anyway, he gave me an autograph too. And I, I, I didn't ask in either of these occasions for an autograph. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? This is fine. Like, I, I, yeah. I just want to be easy. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't have to do this. Like I was, I worked in uh, a Lucha Underground show where I was a PA at the show and it was fun. I had a good time um, and it was a lot of running around, but most importantly, you know, the, the, the entire m- mystique of wrestling died for me that day when I was backstage with all the wrestlers, uh, seeing Pentagon and so many of those guys without their masks on just killed a small childish part of me that will never come back. Was alive. Pentagon still wearing the contacts though? Oh no, no. He was just wearing a baseball hat backwards and a tank top. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I don't ever want to see that. That would be really depressing. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it first thing when we got there, I didn't see it. My buddy Brian saw it. We were instructed to take the handles off trash cans so that when they hit each other with them, they didn't cut each other. And while we were doing that, he just like, he's all, Hey, see Pentagon over there. And I'm like, huh? And I look over, I'm like, no, where? He's like, that guy's sitting right there. And I was like, that's Pentagon. He's like, yeah, look at the tattoo on his arm. And it was the zero miedo, you know, the, mm-hmm. the thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, that is him. Why does he look like a normal person? This is crazy. Like, he looks like he would be one of my friends from high school. He does not look like he's the craziest, most insane hardcore wrestler I've ever seen. Um, but I like at the end of the day, they gave me like a T-shirt and they were totally cool. And, you know, like I became friends with some of like the crew guys and whatnot. Uh, but I just I wanted something to like as a memento. And I always like doing that when I work something that's special or whatever, I try to take just something dumb. Like, even if it's just a piece of trash that nobody else cares about, like, Oh, it's a flyer from the day's event that was on the back or like one of the signs that tells talent where to go and has the Lucha underground like logo on it. I wanted to snag something 
like that. And uh, I didn't think of it early enough. And it was like the end of the day and people were leaving. And my buddy had a sign and he was go- he was literally about to throw it in the trash can. So I took it from him and I just took it in the locker room and put it down and put a marker on it and made an announcement to everybody to sign it if they could on the way out and forgot about it. And then when I went back to get it, it's like the most awesome piece of Lucha Underground merch you've ever seen in your life because it's just all of these. It's like every one of them. Some of them drew little pictures of shit next to their names and stuff like little masks and stuff. It's awesome. It's such a great thing. But you're right. Like there was a part of me that the first thing I thought of was like, what am I going to do with this? So I literally gave it to back to my friend who made the sign and was like, here, Merry Christmas. And he fucking, he loved it. He loved every minute of it. He couldn't believe that I got him that. And, uh, he held it up with such, uh, joy and excitement. Uh, and he like put it in his office and, and such, you know, and it's like that, you know, it's sometimes it's just one of those things that a lot of what I want out of my like personal wrestling experience with some of these guys is, is just to talk to them for a couple of minutes now, you know, and maybe it's, maybe that's because I'm getting older, but like, like before when I was younger, I felt pressured into like buying merch from them. If I was going to talk to them, like if I'm going to take up your time, I better buy something from you or whatever. I don't even feel that anymore. I'll go chat them up for 10 minutes. They'll be like, you want a shirt? I'm like, nope. Don't have any cash on me, man. You have a good time though. Hey, you guys should come buy this guy's shirt, you know, and that's the way that it goes. Uh, I just think that it's, it's, it's one of those things that as you grow older, you, you kind of change. And, uh, that's why I see like wrestling as being like a young person's kind of form of entertainment. I feel like when you get to the age that some of us are and, and have watched it for as long as we have, you're gonna, there's no chance you can be anything but the cynical guy in the corner pointing out all the mistakes that everybody's doing and how much better things were back in your day. Can we get Raven? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Raven. We can get Raven. We can get the whole flock. Okay. What's Kidman up to? Is is he still with Tori Wilson? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Loved his shooting stars press. Oh, one I did too. All yeah. Time. And I think too. he had one of the top 10 all time themes. Yeah. And I could get always stuck in my head. I could I'll get never Scotty Riggs to come right now. I could get, okay. yeah, that's uncle. Uncle Scotty's like literally a, close personal friend if i called him and told him to do raw for free he'd show up so we'll make this How about up he just does this podcast for free and we just do a raven's flock episode we could do that i'm he'll want to talk about the american males though that we'll have to talk about that first okay i can i can oblige there right. but can i just list some names of the raw 25 and this is and then we'll, i promise i'll move on after this you're gonna <sighs> just let's go like let's people go. who have been on WWE television yeah. in the last year let's go Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Dudley Boys were on television and back on Raw a year ago. Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross, Lita. Pretty sure she was calling the tournament um, the Mae Young Classic, right? Mick Foley, commissioner. He's one of the all-time faces. Jericho, List, obviously, he's been around. Austin, uh, he's featured on the WWE Network, and he it feels like he's never really all the way left. And then Triple H, obviously, having a bigger role. Undertaker being around last year, Kane now being back. Just you go up and down the Kurt Angle now being the SmackDown general manager. I mean, Raw general manager. And it's just you go up and down this list. They're all still here. Gold Dust is even still here. Nobody leaves. We can't forget you. You can't celebrate 25 when all your stars from 25, except for the biggest ones like The Rock, are still there. 
Who else? I'm canceling Raw 25. Who else? Who else besides The Rock would you want to see? CM Punk. Oh, you're. (laughs) See, you're sabotaging this. Is what you're doing? No, I'm not. Yeah, you're sabotaging an all-time wrestler. No, that's that's what I want. You ask me what I want. You want? What do I want? CM Punk. I want Big Boss Man. There is what I want. (laughs) No, I I would never want Big Boss Man. The answer to any question is, what do you want? No one's ever said Big Boss Man. It's never happened. No, I just. I don't know. I think it's a little silly because so many of these guys are still around and we've seen them very recently. There's just no reason to do this. They're all still there. They never leave. You never leave in wrestling, it seems like, especially in the WWE. They're just always there. I'm going to tell another story that I've told like 20 times on podcasts, but I don't care. I probably told it. On- Did I just come off really bad? No, just I'm really just gonna, depressing I'm, about all I'm this? just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. I was at what I believe was some sort of anniversary show for SmackDown. I want to say... It was the 10th anniversary show for SmackDown. Does that sound right? Would that have been mm-hmm. sent or would that have been years ago? It would have been. Didn't they just do? Because they had. Yeah, it was like four or five years ago. Because remember they had the X. They had the SmackDown X logo for like a full year. Okay. I remember. Then I'm pretty that sure. That was not that long okay, ago. So it was probably like five or six years ago. Okay. So if that's the case, then I'm 99% sure this was the fifth anniversary show for SmackDown. So not like a major show. Um, but still a significant, uh, anniversary show that they had advertised a substantial number of stars to be at returning stars, including like, um, Cena, Cena, and there's just a bunch of people that weren't on the show anymore. Cause this was one of the times when the show was split and had, you know, rosters on raw and SmackDown. So it was yeah. supposed to be all these people showing up. And essentially what everybody showed up as was um, via via satellite. It was all pre-tape messages. It was John Cena, Stone Cold. It was everybody. And it was all pre-tape messages. So I was there in attendance. And I remember being super excited about being there because they had advertised all of this talent to be there. And then they all appeared via video message. And it was one of the most disappointing shows I had ever attended up until the main event when Kurt Angle shot Big Show with a tranquilizer dart and shaved his head and took pictures of him like he was a damn bear. And I got to be there for that. And I got to be about 15 rows away from watching Kurt Angle really pull out a shotgun out of nowhere, out of the announce table. He went, he got a gun case. He opened it. There was a shotgun inside and he shot big show with an actual tranquilizer dart that had an orange back on it. And I watched it fly out of the gun and into big shows back. It was one of the most amazing things I have ever seen in my entire life to this day. And then he pulled back and watch this. I don't remember this at all. Oh, and then he pulled out clippers and he shaved his head. And then he, and that's why Big Show has a shaved head to this day, was because Kurt Angle mm-hmm. shaved his head on this episode. And ever since, if you would have asked me, he's been bald. Would have, I would have guessed it happened when, on ECW when he was the ECW champion. Yeah, no, no, it was Kurt Angle, <laughs> and it was amazing. And then he did that thing that people do with bears, where they hold their heads up and take and put a like a foot on their back and they take pictures of them smiling. I do, I do vaguely yeah, remember yeah. this now. And like that's that to me is the one. But that was Kurt Angle who did that. It was Kurt Angle that did it. Yes. Now, my point being, though, is this night was ruined, ruined by WWE and the fact that they had made all these insane promises that they could not back up as far as who was going to be appearing that night. 
Uh, and it was almost a complete disappointment. But well, instead, they can't get the Rock. Brock Lesnar was obviously not going to be there right, for sure. Right. Yeah. And then you also had the elephant in the room, which I don't. This was 2004. Oh, so they both would have been there. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. But I this, think you know who I'm talking yes. about. Yes. But this name deleted and Eddie Guerrero. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't even know. I'm not sure back then what what the situation was, but yeah. I mean, there was there were. It wasn't the guys that were there. I mean, the the roster at the time was pretty mediocre because it was kind of like it could have been 2004 because I think SmackDown started in what 98, 99. It had to be a couple of years later because I think SmackDown 10. Maybe you're no, of the no. I'm looking at reunion. September so 20 September 23rd 2004, fifth anniversary special. Oh, fifth anniversary. On. Okay, I thought you were about the tenth. Okay. No, yeah, no, fifth, 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 yeah, right. So 98, yeah, that lines up. Perfectly. So was that the evil territory? Was Undertaker still doing that? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. But even like he didn't come out that night. You know what I mean? It was like one of those kind of nights. It was, I mean, it was uh, like the one, the two things I remember about it mostly was the big show thing and um, Carlito. Speaking of Carlito earlier, he had his, uh, he had his dark match at that show. That was the first time. Okay. I was gonna say, didn't he debut against Cena? Um, this was the dark match, so this was against Shannon Moore, I want to say. But yeah, oh, no, wow. like every time they did like a thing. Now I'm looking at it, like so. Here's some of the matches that were that night: Paul London versus Billy Kidman, then Booker T versus Paul London, then Billy Kidman and Theodore Long backstage, and then. Uh, but okay, so here's all the throwbacks. Here's all the things that they did. It was like The Rock. It was. Um, uh, let's see, Vince McMahon, it was Mick Foley. And these are all people that were appearing via like, you know, some sort of taped message, Stephanie McMahon, uh, Brock Lesnar. So all of this stuff happened, but none of it happened. Um, oh, that's right. Steve Austin with a mustache and no goatee. That was amazing. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, you know, like you just had all of this stuff where you just weren't, um, you weren't excited about any of it. And the, the main event was Kurt Angle and Luther Reigns versus big show and Eddie Guerrero. And apparently, uh, Luther Reigns and big show or Eddie Guerrero fought. Luther Reigns. Yeah. There's a name that you can't forget because they stole it and gave it to another guy. Was Nathan Jones also on this? Show? I probably at some point, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it was a garbage show and all it took was that one magical thing to make it good. So that that's that's my point is don't don't, okay. don't be bothered by this beforehand. Wait. I'm already save, bothered. Wait and save your anger for I'm afterwards. Flustered. If they don't do anything <laughs> and it's crap, then you can then you can say about it afterwards. But until then, you never know what's going to happen. Do you know what I need? I need Road Dog to do a fan Q&A with what's going on with Smackdown from people in the crowd. No, you do not need that. You do not. That's a that every bit of that sounds terrible. He, I love how upset he gets on Twitter. I haven't checked recently, but that guy does not take criticism, constructive criticism very well at all. Yeah. But anyway, Undertaker, <laughs> somehow we went down this rabbit hole, but uh, yeah, it seems like we're getting Undertaker Cena and I don't want this at all. After this whole thing about it might be good and you trying to drink, bring me back in, I'm mm-hmm. very, very certain Undertaker seen it is not going to be good. And Undertaker went out in perfect fashion last year. He left his hat in the ring. They can't do this, but they're going to do this because Undertaker is in good shape, apparently. But even that, why? Is he? Is he? Isn't that been the rumor for the last year? Is like he, he had a successful surgery and he finally had that surgery that he had been putting on. Yeah, the hip. And that, yeah. 
Oh, man, I just don't know. I'm with you. Who wants this? Nobody wants this. Nobody just wants this. Just give us Cena Joe. That's what people want. People want Cena Joe. You know what I think it is? Is I think they're so dissatisfied with the reaction to Roman Reigns and Undertaker being Undertaker's last match. You know? That's their fault. They did it to themselves. They really they did. didn't have to do that. Well, they... <sighs> Everything that they did wasn't very compelling. Everything with The Undertaker ever since he lost, you know, is has been bad. That the, should have been it. The Bray Wyatt. Sold me, or I guess you could have sold me on one more, like the rematch against Lesnar. You could have sold me on that. But after that, I would have been done. You know what Undertaker needed to do was Undertaker needed to go out on a losing streak. Oh, no. Yes. I don't, uh... Yes. No, no, no. no. He wins. He, he loses. <laughs> really sad. He loses to Bray Wyatt. He loses to Roman Reigns. And then he comes back for like redemption again against John Cena saying he can't go out, you know, with a loss. And then he loses again. Like that is. You want him to end with like losing to Kurt Hawkins and then we just never see him again. Oh, couldn't, can we? Oh, actually. Can that so be how Kurt my... Hawkins breaks his streak is he wins against Undertaker? Because that would can be. Can I tell you how I would do the Kurt Hawkins getting his first win and I'd actually do it at WrestleMania? The, the the match right before you know that going to get popcorn match right before the main event yeah that's where I put Kurt Hawkins and I do this whole storyline for the next three months with Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater and he beats Heath Slater but why why I think it'd be fun why what what it'd kind be of fun kind of excitement is that it's like yeah, I think so? they would have actually some pretty funny back and forth and so oh I, no I, I not at be, all I that's think it'd be entertaining like, no it's that's like watching two guys uh, in a bar fight. That'll be fun for a couple of seconds, and then it's just exactly be it's sad. all be like five minutes. Ugh. All right, fine. I'm on board with that. <laughs> okay, I just that, I'm that not on board with Undertaker sense. fighting John Cena again, though. Okay, so we're we're on the same page. Yeah, no, I'm, I just it. There, why you well, don't okay. even need Undertaker anymore to sell this WrestleMania? Like it's too big. WrestleMania is already too big. They don't need the Undertaker's name anymore, and you have Lesnar on this show. I criticize WWE because of the fact that they don't really value their older wrestlers the same way New Japan does. You know, oh, I would say they value their old wrestlers too much. No, which is why no. Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg are still those, getting those, title matches. First of all, Bill Goldberg will never get another title match as long as he lives. And never I, say never. The, prob- I'm not certain the problem with the Bill Goldberg stuff was Bill Goldberg. That was all for that was marketing. That was all marketing. Triple H was a world champion very recently oh i know oh i know but these guys those guys still aren't old i mean they've been around for two decades plus you're talking about length of time i'm talking about actual age new japan has dudes in their 60s doing drop kicks on each other and on younger guys and jushin liger was doing that tyler breeze like two years yeah no totally you know and that's the thing is is that I'm not going to say WWE doesn't value their older guys at all. I'm just saying they don't when, – when, the, when those guys are in their – what I guess I could call their golden years. You know, like they're old. They're older. They're not young anymore. But they really are like that Triple H, you know, where Triple H is at, right? That age where they're just still a viable commodity instead of being made into what they did with Jericho. And then you look at what Jericho did in New Japan. And it's not that Jericho wasn't popular, wasn't a, over with the fans when he was doing the the list stuff and hanging out with Kevin Owens in, in WWE. It's just that he had this whole other side to him. And 
there's just a part of me that likes seeing that really sinister older wrestler. That's a heel character. And WWE doesn't do that anymore. You know, just that guy that's so scared about losing his spot that he's willing to do anything to anybody. Like that was triple H's character at one point, but he wasn't like old enough to be really in that spot. You know, like he wasn't the oldest guy, like one of the older guys on the roster at that time, but that spot, that, that, that whole thing of just being this paranoid, you know, person that doesn't want to give up your spot to the younger guy. That's a perfect heel character that they don't exploit enough, you know, and, and they could definitely use more of. That's fair. You know, I just, I don't like what WrestleMania has become. And that's like a whole separate podcast. I think Yes, is just what WrestleMania is versus what it was at WrestleMania 17 and 18 and things like that. It's just a very different world. WrestleMania is not, it's not, made for you and I anymore. Right. It's no, for the people that absolutely tune in once right. a year. Yep. You're absolutely right. And that's the difference between Wrestle Kingdom and WrestleMania. And that's why Wrestle Kingdom has become so popular with the really hardcore wrestling fans. The reason is is because it's such a satisfying payoff to the things that they've been doing throughout the year. And even in some cases it's a reward. Right. Is like thank you for watching for this full year. Here's this awesome show. And to I mean, culminate a year of service. The, the Jericho Omega thing was built super fast in less than a month. Mm-hmm. So it's not like even everything on that show is built up over time. Um, but it, it, it just feels more like it's, you know, geared towards the payoffs for the storylines. And like WWE does a better job at that with the regular pay-per-views throughout the year. But it's like you said, it's WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania has become like the Super Bowl, but the way that the Super Bowl has forgotten about the game and is more about the commercials and the halftime show and the fireworks and everything else. That's exactly what WrestleMania has become. It's just a thing for the people that want to see all the other stuff. And it's weird because they still do a good job every now and again of putting something on there that, that you want, but it's definitely not the best show of the year. Not even WWE's best show of the year, let alone the best wrestling show of the year. It's not even the best wrestling show of the spring. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. yeah. WrestleMania is not my cup of tea anymore, which is sad, but the Royal rumble is, and I'm excited that it's coming up in a few weeks because I think I would probably say it's my favorite. Movie. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I, I would probably say the NXT summer takeover pay-per-view is probably my favorite pay-per-view of the year now. Interesting. Yeah. SummerSlam and that whole time, I'm a lot more excited as a wrestling fan during that time frame than I am in the spring. Yeah. I just, everything feels fresh and I, I don't know. The SummerSlam build is always a lot better to me than the WrestleMania stuff. So I think SummerSlam might actually be their best big pay-per-view now by far. There's a good chance that this is going to be the last WrestleMania that we travel to as a group. Mm. Me and the guys from the Steel Cage. It's in New Orleans this year, right? Right. So we, we're excited about that. But we've just realized that so many of the other places were let down compared to what New Orleans was for 30. And mm. there's just better things to do. Even if we're going to go to a WWE show, because we come from all over the world, so we got to find some place to meet up and we got to plan it out. So it's got to be a big deal. But WWE does a good job of making their other three big shows into just as much of a week long celebration of wrestling as WrestleMania is. You know, uh, well, we've also got the other shows that come into WrestleMania, so you can go to. You don't have to just go to WWE shows. Oh well, yeah, we don't, we don't. But WrestleMania as a whole is just kind of getting played out. And a lot of it is is depending on the city you go to. But it's like what we're talking about. Like if we want to go pay all of this money and travel to go see a show, we want to see one of the best shows, you know. And Bola, for instance, when we traveled to see Bola for 
PWG. That always I'm coming with you next. Oh, uh, and it I've already and it yeah. never disappoints. It never disappoints. Yeah. You know, but it's like my friends Adam and Sprung have been going to Japan for the you know for the Tokyo Dome show for the last couple of years, and they just have the best time ever. So I think that's might be one of the places that we end up starting to go is instead of coming here for WrestleMania, we might go to Japan. You know, just to do something different. Uh, and there's not a lot of cities in the United States that they're going to hold WrestleMania in that excite us any longer. WrestleMania is just not going to excite me anymore. It's sad. A lot would have to change, and I just don't think they're going to throw away the money. It's just it's too big. So they're not. It's just like the three-hour Raws. They're not going to move on from that because they're still making money, even if the product suffers. Yep, they're going to sell it out. And yeah. I mean, this year we're probably going to see Shinsuke versus uh, AJ. I don't think that's happening. Uh, we're probably. I don't close. want it to happen. Yeah. Shinsuke's not even close to being ready for that. He's had an atrocious year. I can't argue with any of that. <laughs> I don't want him anywhere near it. I don't think, and he he lost clean to Jinder Mahal. He just needs to stay away from this for a while. I I think the way to go is to have a Raw roster member win the Royal Rumble, preferably Finn, and then challenge AJ. Makes a lot more sense, and I think there'd be a lot more interest. And I mean, you could still do it with someone else. I don't. I mean, even if you did like Joe versus AJ or somebody else, like I think there are a lot better options. But I think whoever wins the Rumble should be the one to challenge AJ. And uh, I do agree with you about that. I do think that Finn challenging would be more interesting than Shinsuke, and I think that Finn then being able to claim he was the first person to win both the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship will be and he beat AJ a feather in the cap. Yeah. And it'll be a thing that he could hold over him, you know, and then they could have yeah. the bullet club get involved and AJ could be pissed about that, you know, and it puts him in a babyface role and Finn in a heel role. I like yeah. that. And I think that's, I that's think. appealing. Finn needs to go to SmackDown anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's my thing. Do you have any, uh, raw or SmackDown thoughts from this week? No, I thought both shows kind of phoned it in. Uh, I thought raw, I thought raw was really good. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought raw was stuff, better. Oh, um, can I give you a brawn theory? Or maybe not a theory. A Braun. We, we did not talk about him pulling the stage down with a grappling hook nearly enough. But yes, please. Let me hear your rant. <laughs> not not even not nearly enough. We didn't touch him. Yeah, so it literally didn't happen. It's not like uh, Braun's awesome. Let me start with that. WWE, specifically Vince, I think is doubled down. He's doubling down on fans for, forgetfulness. And people see this Braun stuff and they're like, oh, this guy is the best because Braun is fantastic. However, they forget because they get tunnel vision and they forget what's on the horizon on Monday Night Raw. Braun can't go anywhere. The world title is still going to be centered around Roman Reigns for the next year and he will be challenging Brock Lesnar by himself in the main event of WrestleMania. Braun Strowman can't win. He is at a ceiling where he will lose. He lost that feud to Roman Reigns. He will probably be facing like Kane at WrestleMania or something. He, or Triple H, I guess, is probably the most likely scenario at this point. But he, there's nowhere for him to go. So I, we go through this ebbs and flows situation with Strowman. And Vince knows that people will forget after a couple months because it's been a while since he lost that feud to Roman that they can just jump back in and like, okay, forget that Braun Strowman's lost every important match of the last year. He's still awesome. And look at these like little YouTube clips 
of him doing really cool stuff and make you think that he's on his way to a world title run when he is not going to hold the universal title this year. It's not happening. I disagree. So, I disagree. And I couldn't disagree more. Okay. I think that Braun is a very pleasant surprise for the WWE. I think that they were going to have a really hard time getting the stink of the Wyatt family off mm-hmm. of them. And I think that they are, couldn't be more pleased with the way that the WWE has received him. I'm happy that they've allowed him to maintain the course of the character he is without changing him too much as a face, because that's the biggest pitfall with someone like Braun that you have to run into is them changing him into some sort of big lovable oaf instead of just being the destructive monster that he is. They did it with that elf video that they did during Christmas time of him being elf. (laughs) You know, it was funny. I enjoyed it. And, you know, there was a discussion within me and the guys from the steel cage about whether or not they would actually show it on WWE television. And I'm glad they didn't because there's a certain level of kayfabe that even though kayfabe is dead, has to be maintained. Kayfabe is not dead. I, I will never allow. I won't. That. I won't either. I'll defend it to my death. Wrestling is dead. If kayfabe is dead. Yep. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. All right. Uh, but Braun, I think has been one of those things that even though the plan isn't, is isn't laid out technically for him to be, you know, the champion things change. I I think personally, he is everything they ever wanted Roman reigns to be. And Roman reigns could never pull off because Braun does the exact same things that face Roman would have done when they were trying to make him into that, you know, same type of character. And people would have booed Roman and thought it was stupid and people lose their mind for, for Braun doing it. You know, well, I think the difference is the mic skills. So I think they still like Braun doesn't have to talk. He gets to say like three things yeah. and it's just sounds cool. Yeah. Roman, they still send out there and have him open shows from time to time and put him in positions where he has to say things like, what do you say? Stupid ass bitch. And that whole promo sure. back and forth with Cena. Sure. That was just awful. You know what? He's, years, he's not a good talker. Years ago, years ago, I interviewed Roman and he is very charming. He is very intelligent. I mean, he, it was shocking how good he was when I had an interview with him. I, I still do. He's the, probably a really delightful dude. I still like, do this All day, the videos with him, he seems great. I still to this day can't believe that because that was one of my most pleasant interviews I ever had. And I didn't really know much about the guy at the time. This was back in the Shield days, long before he was ever, uh, you know, a singles competitor. So I couldn't believe that the guy that like Braun, that would be like Braun coming on and just having some witty, funny things to say. It would surprise me. It's not to say it's above him as a person to be that. It's just what he was in, in WWE at the time. He, he didn't say a word. So I didn't expect this stuff out of him. We had a funny joke about that. He was going to take over for Troy Polamalu as the uh, head and shoulders uh, spokesperson and all this stuff with his hair. Uh, it was funny. He was very, he was very good, you know, at the time. Um, so I could see how, in knowing him as a person, you would think that you could put him out there, but I don't know. I've had people, I've had people tell me how much they can't stand listening to me do podcasts, you know, that it, I'm not one of those people. I I hope not because I would feel like then that's just some sort of weird mockery thing about having me. (laughs) Yeah. That would not put me in. But you you know what I mean though? Like it's one of those (laughs) things that like, uh, you know, people could talk to you and you could be good you could, you know, be a great person and people want to work with you, but then they have you do the job and you're just not that good at it. But because you are who they are, they continue to work with you and hope that they can, you know, coach you and, and make you better. Roman's gotten substantially better, but it once, again, uh, yes, 
Roman's gotten substantially better. I don't think he's a better promo than he was like a couple years ago. Yeah, I, don't. I, I think he is because now he's back to less is more. And the less is more thing works for him. Does it make him better? Or is that just yes. them taking yeah. responsibilities away from him? Yeah, no, no, because I just think certain guys and what their character is trying to convey isn't you can't say the things that you're trying to say, you know, or, or have him like everybody can't go out there and be John Cena, right? John Cena, yeah, but they want him to be that. And right. That's the, that's the problem is John Cena is a, you know, why he's always been that wise cracking, you know, uh, smart mouth, you know, guy that bit off. Well, no, he, he had like, he had the ebbs and flows too. I mean, he yeah. goes through that where he goes to the serious voice and then the happy go lucky and that infamous star Wars promo from like 10 years ago that people forget, but I will never forget. And you know, uh, Cena was his stuff is way worse. When Cena gets corny, it's yes. some of the yeah. most painful. Yes, yeah, material. Exactly. I mean, it's it's basically exactly. what Roman got with the suckering succotash stuff yep. from like three years ago. Right. That stuff was just it's the same writers. They just they won't let it let it stop. Well, and then it's infuriating to watch John Cena on like Total Bellas or Total Divas and see what a well spoken. Oh, strong disagree. John Cena is the best character on Total Divas. And yes. Total no. 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 That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I was just no, going to no, make sure. No, my, my man who is, has his hampers and just, he is John Cena. He's amazing. He's amazing. He on hilarious. The show. But the thing about it is he's a, he's a completely different person. And yeah. I think that's why that character that he plays of John Cena on the, on WWE comes off as being so hokey and corny because that's not him. He's like, at this point in his career, he's like a super villain in real life. He's all diabolical and like well-spoken and, and speaks like, seven different languages and has billions of dollars and lives in a castle and all this stuff, man. Like he's not that guy. And that's why it's artificial. Yeah. And that's why other people that come across as being a little bit more authentic, uh, cut better promos and stuff because they're drawing on different inspiration. They're drawing on different stuff. And if John Cena wanted to be like this really like methodical villain type character, I think he would do it. 10 times better than he's ever done anything as a face, you know, but I just don't, I don't think they'll ever commit to that because they can't have their moneymaker be a bad guy. Well, he doesn't have much time left. I mean, his schedule is getting smaller and smaller. So who knows? I, I think he, I mean, there, I think in the next three or four years, we're going to see like a full calendar year with no John Cena. And if that get if we get to that point, then why not eventually pull the trigger on something different? But I'd say we'll see. So that's I'm, yeah. Again, that's fantasy booking down the road. Your old grizzled veteran that's mad that someone's taken his spot. Perfect heel role for John Cena. There you go. And then him and Roman Reigns compute again and talk about how the other no. is the worst. I mean, that's, that's guys, guys, you're both the worst. <laughs> That's the perfect way to end this podcast. Derek, I think we could talk about wrestling for like 17 hours. Oh, without a doubt. I'm, I'm sure after yeah. this ends, we'll still continue to talk about wrestling. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Derek, uh, is there anything you need to plug before we get out of here? Uh, check me out on the steel cage. Check out the steel We have a bunch of shows we do over there. Uh, the most important one is my snack podcast that I do with my friend, Tim, Derek and Tim eat snacks. Check that this out. new. Uh, this is relatively new. We started okay. picking, eating, and rating snacks. Uh, mm. It was a job that was once done by Michael Ian Black. 
and okay. he abandoned his listeners. He abandoned us, the the mateys. Uh, and so I picked up the slack. And so now we have Derek and Tim eat snacks. Uh, what is your favorite snack? Oh, man. That is a tough question. You can't just. Oh, it's not tough for me. I know exactly what it is. What's your favorite snack? Go. Yeah, go. Cheese, it's white cheddar. Whoa. Whoa. You said that with such confidence. Every day. Could eat it every day. Never get tired of it. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, my current favorite snack is this chip called a Red Hot Riplet from St. Louis. Mm, it's one okay. of the best chips I've ever eaten in my whole entire life. Um, but I can't get it readily available. It's not readily available here to me in Phoenix. So, uh, But that's that's an amazing snack. We, we did have one snack that we gave all perfect tens to. It was the first time we gave a perfect ten to a snack, and it was the no-name cake by Mod Pizza. It's basically a fancy homemade style ding dong. And it's one of the best things I've ever eaten in my entire life. So check out the podcast. You'll enjoy it. All right. Well do that and follow me on Twitter at cap underscore caveman. And yeah, thank you as always, sir. And thank we you. Will, we'll talk soon. All right, man. Talk to you soon.